Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Well, hello, everyone. This is Carol Topp, your host here at the Homeschool CPA Podcast. And I am starting a new podcast series of uh, probably four podcasts here in July and August of 2019 for tiny homeschool groups. You know, there are a lot of homeschool groups that are still very tiny. I'm going to define that in a minute. But someone commented recently to me that, you know, Carol, a lot of the stuff you write about and you blog about are really not applicable to the tiny homeschool groups. Yeah, I agreed with her. She's right. A lot of the the things I write at Homeschool CPA on my blog or the books that I've written apply to the larger homeschool organizations out there because they deal with more money and have more complex issues and problems and things like that. So this podcast series is going to be devoted to you tinies. I see a lot of questions on social media over at a Facebook group that I help moderate called I Am a Homeschool Group Leader. You can join us. Please do over on Facebook. I'll put a link in the show notes. The show notes can always be found over at homeschoolcpa.com slash podcast. And this podcast is number 175. So check out the show notes uh, to join the Facebook group. But I see a lot of questions on that Facebook group and other Facebook groups. Uh, That represents some confusion, especially for small homeschool groups. So hopefully these podcast episodes will help explain some and answer some of the questions people have posted. Okay, let's define what a tiny homeschool group might be. Now, there's no real set definition, is there? So I'm going to pick what I think are some good parameters to define a tiny homeschool group as opposed to the larger homeschool group that has more complex issues uh, to deal with. Uh, Being an accountant, a CPA, I'm going to go with the dollar amount, dollar threshold. So basically, I think tiny homeschool groups would be defined as having the total revenues in a year, that's all the income you bring in, of less than $5,000. Where did I come up with $5,000 as a threshold of all the money you bring in? That's not the money you keep. It's all the money you bring in, even though most of it goes out. Well, that threshold comes from the Internal Revenue Service. That is a threshold they use to say, basically, if your nonprofit organization is small, tiny, less than $5,000 a year in total gross revenues, is what they call it, you don't have to officially apply for tax-exempt status as a 501c3 charitable educational religious organization. Okay, so that's a nice threshold that I think is a good benchmark for us to keep in mind. Tinies have probably less than $5,000 of total money they bring in in a year, which is called annual gross revenues. Tinies are also usually all volunteer. They don't pay anybody. They don't have employees. Even if you were tiny in terms of that dollar amount I just mentioned, but have employees, you have all of a sudden, you know, a more complex structure, and I wouldn't consider you a, a tiny for the purposes of the advice I would give you. Uh, or they, a lot of times, tinies don't even pay an independent contractor unless it's, it's somebody like me for a one-time consultation, okay? 
maybe somebody like a speaker that they come in and pay one time, but they do not regularly have ongoing relationships with anybody that they pay for employment. So if you even if you're paying an independent contractor to come in and teach a regular art class, eh, you might not be a tiny anymore. Okay, I'm just warning you. These are starting to be issues that mean you have to pay attention to. How am I paying people? I have a book I call Paying Workers at Homeschool Organizations, so you might want to look into that. Another definition I think of tiny is they usually are small in terms of the number of members. Usually tiny homeschool groups, whether they be support groups or co-ops or, you know, just play groups, usually have fewer than 20 families. You get more than 20 families and you're going to need space to meet in. You're going to have issues of needing insurance and that makes you maybe not a tiny anymore. You're a small homeschool group, but not what I'm calling tiny. Okay. And then you, uh, usually uh, tinies are low risk operations. Usually they're the support group with uh, parents hanging around all the time or meeting just for the parents' sake, like a support group or field trips with the parents along or a co-op, a small co-op, a tiny co-op with the parents involved. So therefore they're lower risk. You know, they're not running sports uh, organizations or things that or um, paying employees or doing things that are higher risk. So usually tinies are very low risk. All volunteer small groups with annual revenues of less than $5,000 a year. Okay, does that fit your group? You might find these podcast episodes pretty helpful. So I'm going to do four podcasts. Today we're going to talk about um, are we a nonprofit? Should we be a nonprofit or not? The next episode, which will be one, number 176, I will talk about uh, do tiny homeschool groups need to file anything with their state, with their the IRS? Do they need to file anything? Uh, the next episode after that, 177, will be, do we, does a tiny homeschool group need to pay taxes? The answer is maybe. <laughs> and the last one I'll finish up with talking about bank accounts, checking accounts, things like that. Okay, so let's dive into this episode where we are going to talk about tiny homeschool groups. Um, are we, or should we, as a tiny group, be a nonprofit? And I get asked this in many different ways. Sometimes people say, well, we're not a nonprofit or we're not an official nonprofit, or we're not interested in nonprofit status. They say things like that to me because they're concerned or worried or confused about the paperwork involved. So let me clarify. If you say to me or if you write on social media or something, we're not a nonprofit. Okay, the CPA brain in me goes, oh, well, then you're the only other thing left in in the world, and that is a for-profit business owned by somebody. Because you see, if you're not a nonprofit or not interested in being a nonprofit, but yet you are somehow taking people's money and delivering a service, you're somebody's for-profit business. And then group leaders will sometimes say to me, oh, no, 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 we, we all just, you know, gather the money together, but we're not a nonprofit. And I say, yes, you are. Yes, you are. If you're not a for-profit business owned by somebody, then you're by default probably are a nonprofit. Now, whether you have established and formed yourself properly is really the question here. So, what does it take to be a nonprofit? Well, it's really pretty simple, folks. You might not realize this, but it's really pretty simple to form a nonprofit. You need three things. You ready? You need a nonprofit purpose, which means you have a purpose like social purpose. I want to gather together with other homeschool leaders or homeschool families, rather, and do fun stuff with our kids or do academic stuff with our kids. You have some nonprofit purpose and usually it is to serve somebody outside of yourself. So you're serving some purpose like education, 
maybe religious or charitable. Those are the popular ones, but mostly educational because we're homeschool group. And you're serving, you know, usually what's called a, a charitable class, meaning you're serving children or the parents of homeschool children. That's it. So you need that nonprofit purpose. You're not in this to make money, to line your own pockets, to make a profit um, or to make income for anybody. You're in it for the educational purpose of uh, supporting homeschool families and educating children. That's the first thing you need. The second thing you need is a board of people. One of the main distinctions between a nonprofit organization and a for-profit business is the for-profit business can be run by one person alone. A nonprofit is not run by one person alone. It needs three. I think three. There are some states that let you get by with two. I say that's not a good idea. The IRS and most good practices in most states would say you need three people to form what's called a board in the nonprofit world, three people to lead this group. And they are the, the leaders. They are the ones responsible for making decisions. So you need that nonprofit purpose. You need a board. And the last thing you need to be a nonprofit is some sort of organizing document. And normally this is called the bylaws. It's some document can be very short that says, here's our name, here's our purpose, here's how we pick our board members, um, here's who can be members. And that's kind of about it. Okay, if you want to see sample bylaws, you can go over to homeschoolcpa.com samples, and you can see sample bylaws there. You can just Google homeschool group bylaw samples and come up with bunches. That's what I did to build the sample bylaws that I have. It's very important to have that organizing document because without that, you haven't quite formed a nonprofit yet. You are just a bunch of people with a similar purpose meeting together, but that's just like me going out with my neighbors, you know, or my friends or a play group or something like that. Really, you become a nonprofit when you, when you compose, you draft these bylaws. You don't even have to file the bylaws with anybody. That's going to be my next podcast. You don't have to file them with anybody, but you need to have them. That's what births your nonprofit, having that board approve their organizing document called bylaws. Ta-da! A nonprofit has been born. And have you filed anything with the IRS at this point? Nope. Have you filed anything with the state? Nope. But are you a nonprofit? Yes. Okay, so what does it take to be a nonprofit? Board, bylaws, and a nonprofit purpose. Now, sometimes people will tell me, well, we're just a bunch of homeschooling moms. Yes, you might be a bunch of homeschooling moms. So how is that bunch of homeschooling moms meeting together different from a nonprofit homeschool, tiny homeschool organization? And I think there are a couple of criteria that kind of move you from we're just a bunch of moms gathering together to we are a nonprofit organization. And the big one, again, to me being a CPA is money. When you take money from this group of homeschool moms or dads or homeschool families and you hold it in order to accomplish some some good for them you know some activity some purpose something you've kind of gone from just a bunch of homeschool moms meeting to a nonprofit organization and by golly I really want to see that board and I want to only see those bylaws in order for you to be formed well and formed properly so you know as opposed to like a play group that, you know, my kids belonged to when we were little. Just a bunch of neighbors got together, formed a play group. We didn't gather money together. Maybe maybe we traded houses and had snacks, and but we didn't really. No money was traded. For the most part, 
that group of people just meeting together are informal. They're not a nonprofit organization because they don't have a nonprofit purpose, really, and they haven't drafted bylaws and don't have a leader. Uh, so outside of the criteria of money, I think the other things that kind of differentiate just a bunch of homeschool moms from being a nonprofit tiny homeschool group would be your longevity and your regularity, meaning if this group is going to be ongoing for a semester, you know, and you're going to meet regularly, you're probably more of a nonprofit organization and you probably ought to draft those bylaws and, and form a, a group of leadership. Then you call yourself a nonprofit and you're perfectly legit. You, you may not have paperwork to prove anything yet, but call yourself what you are, a nonprofit tiny homeschool organization. So a lot of times uh, tiny homeschool group leaders will ask me or point out two other things, but they, they typically say we want to avoid unnecessary paperwork and they want to keep things simple. So I want to wrap up this podcast with talking about those things. How can we keep things simple for you tinies? And what's the bare minimum paperwork you need to file or how can you avoid unnecessary paperwork? Well, to keep things the most simple would mean your tiny homeschool group would be what's called an unincorporated association. That's kind of your default. And not be a nonprofit corporation. I talk a lot in my blog posts over at Homeschool CPA and on this podcast about nonprofit corporation, which is paperwork called the Articles of Incorporation you file with your state. It is the states who grant corporate status, and your homeschool group could be a nonprofit corporation if it wanted to be. That's usually reserved for the larger groups or the homeschool co-ops, the riskier groups, or those that are wanting to pay people. Typically, the tinies can stay, by default, an unincorporated association. So in other words, by default, you are an unincorporated association. As soon as you gathered together that board, wrote up your bylaws, and stated your nonprofit purpose, you are an unincorporated association, and that is recognized in all states, okay? Sometimes they're granted powers and, and, and things, but usually not. They're just um, understood that this is an unincorporated association of people. And they can name themselves. And they can open up a bank account. And they can conduct their activities as an unincorporated association. The, so if you want to stay simple, stay an unincorporated association. You might want to draft something called Articles of Association. They're a little different from your bylaws, Articles of Association. But you can find samples over at homeschoolcpa.com slash samples again. Okay, And that document you don't usually have to file with anybody either. You don't have to send it to your state. You really only need to get your state involved when you want to become a nonprofit corporation. And there's some benefits to that, and I'm not going to talk about that here because I talk about it at other places. The other ways to keep things simple and keep the paperwork small is probably to not open a checking account and to run things all in cash. Now, being a CPA, I don't usually recommend this, but if you really are dealing with so little money that you can operate on cash only, fine but you know there's a lot of problems with operating with cash and the cpa in me makes it makes me very nervous one homeschool group told me they were trying so hard to stay tiny that their treasurer carried all the money around in a shoebox their total revenues were like four thousand dollars a year and it made me very nervous that she was carrying around four thousand dollars in the shoebox on co-op day sure she kept it on her person but yeah that's not okay time to get a checking account i said and they were just trying to stay cash-based, but I'm like, you, you're kind of getting beyond the edges of tiny here. 
you need to get a checking account. But if you want to keep things really simple, keep it cash-based. But problems with that, you know, theft, loss, all kinds of things we CPAs don't like. The other ways to keep things simple is to keep your group small enough that you can meet in a house or be in a climate where you can meet in a park. <laughs> I live in Cincinnati. We can't meet in a park most days, most months of the year. Your group gets too big, you know, more than about five families, and you probably can't fit in a house anymore. The, the problem is when you can't fit in somebody's house anymore, all of a sudden you're not really a tiny anymore because now you need to go find somewhere to meet, typically a church, but the church might want you to have insurance. The church might want you to pay, which means you need the checking account. You can't operate in cash anymore. The church might want you to sign some sort of agreement or lease, and you at least need a name, you know, so they know what to call you. And they may want proof that you're a nonprofit because churches only like to lease their space to nonprofits. So then you're going to have to um, show them your bylaws and things like that. So that was a lot to absorb, wasn't it? Let me try to wrap up my thoughts here. But tiny organizations, $5,000 of gross revenues, total money you bring in. Let me make that clear. Usually all volunteer, small groups, less than 20 or so families. You are a nonprofit when you create a board, have bylaws, and a nonprofit purpose stated in those bylaws. Keep it simple by staying an unincorporated association in your state. Keep it simple by not opening up a checking account. That's almost impossible. You know that, right, ladies and gentlemen? But if you want to keep it simple, stay cash-based. Although, again, I don't usually like that as a CPA. Try to keep it small enough. You meet in houses. Don't pay anybody. Stay all volunteer. Okay, that's advice from a CPA who has helped hundreds and hundreds of homeschool groups. Um, Many of who are not tiny, but many, many, many of you are. So I hope that's helpful. I hope you tune in next time for the next session where we're going to talk about do we need to file anything and let me point out some um, helpful resources over at homeschoolcpa.com I have a book that you might find helpful even if you're starting a tiny homeschool group and that's called homeschool co-op my book my first book I wrote called homeschool co-ops how to start them run them and not burn out and I did I did write that book keeping in mind uh, small or tiny medium and large homeschool groups but it's a really a it's a good book. It's a helpful book. It's, it's sold very well to help even you tinies understand some of the things about operating your homeschool program, whether it's a support group, a field trip, or something a little more structured like a homeschool co-op. Ah, I hope to find this helpful and come back uh, in two more weeks. Show number 176. I'm going to talk about do tinies need to file anything. Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with Carol Topp here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.